0: Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing this morning? I believe cool weather is coming. It is. No, I I believe it. And and people are like, why haven't you shaved? And why are you wearing flannel? I am am willing, the cold weather, to come. I am on a mission. And it's going to happen. Believe me, it's going to happen. So, uh, excited about that. So, hey, we are in a four-week series before Advent. Can you believe... We're only, yeah, it's crazy this year has gone by so fast, but we're in a four-week series before we start Advent se- uh, uh, season uh, where we're looking at four very dangerous prayers. These are prayers that we believe if you pray them with a sincere heart and you really mean them, that the status quo will be disrupted and that things will change. Things will change in your own heart. But also, things will change in the world, and last week, uh, I taught on uh, God hear me and i got to tell you every so often uh, I teach on something or I talk about something that that resonates and uh, I, uh, and I get a lot of feedback and Last week was one of those uh, weeks it just I really appreciate the the feedback and just uh, how it seemed like a lot of people just really felt that it gave them permission to be really, truly honest with God. If you miss that talk and you'd like to catch up with it, you can go on Vimeo or go to the E3 website and, and click on the on the link and catch up with it. It's a great way to keep with the series. The, uh, so God, hear me. This week, we're talking about God, use me. Now, I, out of the four prayers uh I think this one is extremely dangerous that if we can truly say you know God use me and and everything that 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 you know uh implies that that truly ourselves and the world will be changed and I was while well, I was praying through this prayer and just kind of asking the holy spirit to Uh, illuminate and give me some thoughts and to lead me to a narrative. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I usually like to stick in one passage of scripture. Uh, And I was led to a different, you know, a few different places, but nothing was really, really uh, just kind of jumping out at me and decided uh, to go a different angle. And what I feel that the Holy Spirit led me was uh, to five reasons why we do not or can't pray this prayer. And, this, uh, and the reason that uh, many of us can't pray the prayer, God use me, with, with sincerity and with uh, uh, authenticity is that five things get in the way. Number one, our brokenness. We don't think that God can use us because we are broken, messy people. The next one is our weaknesses. We think we're not good enough or we're not smart enough or, or uh, things like that. That uh, number three is our pain. Just things that uh, have hurt us in the past, things that, that uh, have challenged us, things, uh, pain that we have in our lives. Number, number four is our fear. We're just afraid. You know, we're afraid if we say God use me, uh, a ticket to, you know, you know the Congo, Congo is going to show up and that we're going to have to go be missionaries, you know, in some foreign land. So we're afraid. What if, what if God takes me up on God use me? So we're afraid. And, uh, and then the last one is we doubt. And that's a lot of times not doubting in ourselves, but doubting in God. Doubting that, that God can truly use me in it's setup, And I want you to notice how I said how you perceive, how you perceive these five things, how you perceive your brokenness, your weakness, your pain, and your fear and your doubt limits you. But it does not limit God. It does not limit God. So I really feel that that your perceived brokenness, my perceived brokenness, my perceived weakness, pain, fear, and doubt has gotten in the way of many of us from truly standing before our God and saying three very simple words, but very difficult words, God use me. And what I hope that out of today we can begin a conversation about what does it mean to really engage in our brokenness and and weakness and pain and fear and doubt, and how to put those in the proper perspective to see those through the eyes of God so we truly can disrupt the status quo, disrupt some of the insanity that's happening in our world, and be an ambassador of love and grace and good deeds. So, the first one that I wanted to talk about is brokenness. And these are all five of these things are are things that I deal with and and I'm probably going to be speaking a lot from just my perspective today because I'm not going to drag other people's brokenness into my talk and and things like that so uh forgive a little bit of the the personal nature of of today, but uh you know to be able to pray the- you know this prayer is like, you know in my brokenness, God use me you know in my brokenness, God use me and and I think about the many years of trying to follow christ and and this being a prayer that I truly wanted to pray and but you know realizing that I'm a broken person that that you know what i'm sometimes i I get task oriented and 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 forget you know how that impacts people that that uh, my brokenness, and I've shared about this, but, you know, I've been entrusted with depression and anxiety. I've been entrusted with dyslexia. And uh, and these are just broken things. I'm a broken person, you know, that, that I'm not experiencing an ideal. And uh, you know, I've also been broken sexually and, and uh, financially. So, I mean, I got a whole list of just, you know, in my past, you know, just different things that were broke. And, and it's just, you know, praying about that. And, I, and as I look at scripture and I look at my life, I, I see that God uses broken people. Not only does he use broken people, but he only uses broken people. And he does that so he gets the glory that 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 uh, that he is glorified through our brokenness. And here's here's the reality. And first, Paul writes in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse forty-three: Our bodies are buried in brokenness. When you are buried, you are going to be buried in your brokenness. It's not going to be fixed. During our lifetime, from now until you die, you are going to have things that are broken about you. So if you allow brokenness to get in the way of your ministry or your caring or your calling, you're never going to do anything. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised again in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. Now, the reality is that that we are going to be buried, broken. But the good news of Christ is that we can be a new creation in him. One of the beautiful symbolisms in in baptism is when we go under the water, that we are dying to ourselves and becoming up a new creation in Christ. As Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person the old life is gone a new life has begun and that's one of the that is the good news in the good news that that not only uh, that you are a new creation in Christ but you know what your brokenness does not disqualify from you from ministry but it prepares you for ministry think about some of the most amazing ministries and works of God that have ever uh common in, in in the world you think about uh uh you know the adoption system that was started by Christians and Christians who were you know uh who were impacted by not having a father and mother and they were orphans and and bringing them into the family structure then you think about um just the uh, you know, World Vision. And you hear the story of, of the founders of, of World Vision and the, their brokenness empowered them and inspired them to care about children that nobody else uh, was taking care of. And one of the most beautiful things about brokenness, if you entrust your brokenness to God, that he can transform that into Beauty. He can transform that into something that is going to bless everyone else. And that's why people always say, Mark, why do you say that God entrusted you with, your, with depression and anxiety and dyslexia? Because you know what? I'm standing here today because God entrusted me with depression, anxiety, and dyslexia. Before Christ, before I submitted that, I got to tell you, I was a pretty rotten person. I didn't care about anybody else. I didn't have time for weakness. And the reason was I was trying to push everyone else away so they wouldn't look at me. And once that all came collapsing down on me, that God led me to people who allowed me to see the gift of brokenness and how God can use that to bless the world. So in order for us, uh, number one, to be able to pray this prayer with integrity, we have to say, God, in my brokenness, God, use me. The next one is in my weakness. In my weakness, God, use me. You know, there's, you know, just our culture wants people who who present themselves as extremely strong and not having any weaknesses. But basically, that's living a lie. That everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses. Some of my strengths is vision casting. Some of my strengths is building teams. One of my strengths is getting something started from nothing and getting it going i am very weak at being a manager i am very weak at details like i got the vision down like all right this is where we're going to go and then somebody you know asked me the terrible question well how's it how's it going to work what's the you know what's the you know where's the handbook i'm like we'll figure it out you know and we'll figure it out. And this is a story, you know, this is the story of E3. We figured it out as we went. But the, the cool thing was when I stopped trying to hide those weaknesses and leaned into my strengths, that the body of Christ came alive. That, that you know what, God has brought so many detailed-oriented people here to E3 and, and Red Eye that, you know, uh, Red Eye... Was conceived at like two a.m. in the morning in my house with with Todd, but you know what? Red Eye has, has has really flourished under the management of Helen Michael. And saying you know what, she's really strong in 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 that, and I'm and I'm strong at at moving things forward and casting a, a vision, compelling vision. And then God has brought other people along to. To, in our church and, and, and through our ministries, to, to strengthen and to weave together the body of Christ so we can function as one and be stronger because of it. And that's one of the beautiful things. One of the most important verses in my life was 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10 to help me understand this. Paul writes, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. What he calls a thorn in the flesh. And we all have thorns in the flesh. Things that, uh, he calls it a a message from Satan to buffer, uh, buffer him, to hurt him, to stop him. And he says, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecution and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And this is why, and I've had so many people like, Mark, how would you as a pastor can stand up and say, you know, you know, that you have been entrusted with depression or anxiety or dyslexic or you have these weaknesses and all all these stuff. And, and it's because of this understanding that when I am weak, Christ is strong. And when I am weak and when I say, you know what, I I can't do this, but with the understanding that I know without a shadow of a doubt that the body of Christ can do it through the power, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, that we can disrupt the status quo. We can make this world a better place. That we can let lonely people know that they are invited to the party, to the banquet of a loving God. That when we can say, you know what? It's not only okay that I have weaknesses, but Christ's power is perfected. In my weakness. That that is when community happens. That's when beauty happens. So in my weakness. Praying God use me. The next one is in my pain. One of the biggest lies that I ever bought into, and I used to call it a TV truth because TV used to be very different than it is today. TV used to be about perfect families, about perfect situations. There was a lot of sitcoms where problems were uh, resolved in 30 minutes. Anybody have problems that are resolved in 30 minutes here? No. You know what? So I I kind of looked at that. I looked at other people other people's facades and saying, "I'm the only one hurting. I'm the only one broken. I'm the only one weak. I'm the only one in pain. And all of these church people and all these other people, they got it all together. So why would God ever want to use me?" And I got to tell you, it's a lie. I have I have met some of the most Perfect looking people in the world, and after getting to know them, have heard the most painful stories that I have ever heard. Now, I'm not telling you not to brush your teeth or comb your hair, please do. I mean, hair is a blessing, I think. So, I would love to comb my hair. So, but also, don't ever be deceived that the person sitting to your left or sitting to your right or behind you or before you does not is not trying to work through pain, the pain of, of brokenness, the pain of weakness, the pain of loss, the, the pain of horrific things that have been done to them. The pain of, of substance abuse that there's one thing that this world has no shortage in of is pain and the real question is, okay, if God can't use me in my pain, that means God can't use anyone in their pain, and that means the enemy has won. And I'm here to tell you, the enemy has not won. It will not win as long as the body of Christ is here and it is active and it is moving forward until the day that our Lord and Savior comes and brings us home. It is not done. It is not finished. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, I just, I love this so much because it's so clear to me that the time that we live in. Paul writes, all all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know at all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste, of future glory for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies that he has promised us we live under the curse we live in the curse But we have a foretaste that that we have been given a counselor, we have been indwelled with the Holy Spirit to give us a foretaste of future glory. To understand the love, unconditional love that God has for us and the joy of being in authentic biblical community with people who, yeah, they're broken, yeah, they're weak, yes, they have pain, yes, they are fearful, yes, they have doubt but we also have Jesus. And even though it's not perfect, it makes us able to relate with a broken world. And in our weakness, in our pain, in our brokenness, in our fear, in our doubt that God is strong. And then the next one, in my fear. I think this is probably one of the most prevalent things in a a Christian's life, that we have fear, fear of tomorrow, fear of today, fear of what this happens or that happens, fear of legislation, fear uh, that things won't go our way, fear after fear after fear. And you know what? Fear can stop us from moving forward. Let me tell you a few things that I have had fear in in my life. And and I'm not telling you guys I do this perfectly. I don't. But I'm trying to share with you some things and encounters when sometimes I think maybe I got it close to right. When I left the marketplace... 12 years ago, a little over 12 years ago, in a family business, construction business, during my tenure there, uh, we had almost uh, tripled in sales. Things were going great. I just landed one of the biggest uh, uh, jobs that we have ever had. Things were going well. I was living at the beach. I had a boat in a a slip. Things were going great. And, And God, I started feeling that he was calling me to leave that and go into full-time vocational ministry. When I started sharing that with my friends, they they said, you're crazy. You're already in full-time vocational ministry that you're, you know, sending people, missionaries to go around the world. You're doing this, you're doing that. You know, you have this set, you can set your own schedule. Why would you leave all this and say, you know what? Because I feel like God is calling me to something different that God has a different path for me. And well-meaning you know, well friends who are still my friends were like, you know, we don't see it. You know, uh, it doesn't seem like right, but I knew that God was calling me, especially when I'd finally settled it with God and I went home to my wife and I said, Shannon, what do you think about being poor? That's, I, that's exactly what I said. What do you think about being poor? And she says, what do you mean? And I said, I think God is calling me into full-time vocational ministry. And you know what she said? You're just now figuring that out. <laughs> Boom. The woman that God had partner, partnered me with had just confirmed what God had called me to do. And we make a long story short, ended up in Tallahassee. But believe me, there was fear involved in that. Probably another big time fear point in my life here at at, at E3 is when we started Red Eye. And that was a big step for us to do this this really. Uh, outside ministry, with the idea that that we were uh, going to invite people to drink coffee locally and cha- and change lives globally, that we were going to be this social enterprise and and going out and nobody has ever had ever really done it or have done it well, and I felt God was calling us to do it. He had set some, you know, some things up. There were some resources available. And I started talking to leadership. And I remember at the old building, I was sitting on the patio in our old building. You guys remember the patio in the old building? I was sitting there with somebody, a leader in our church, and they looked across the table and said, if you do this and it fails, it will cost you your pastorship. That was frightening to me. That put fear in my heart because I want to be a pastor. I believe I've been called to be a pastor and to have somebody put it and say, you know what, if this does not work, you're gone. But there was a problem. I think I would have backed down if I didn't feel strongly that God was calling us to do that. And said, you know what? I believe, and and other people believe, and I believe the time is right, and God has orchestrated this, and we need to take this step in faith. And if it costs me my pastorship, then I guess that's the cost of doing business. But I don't believe that God is done with us yet. And we went forward. And you know what? Since then, we have won Best of Tallahassee several times. We have won uh, the Tally Awards several times. By the way, vote for us for Tally Awards. It is really, really important. The voting is open. It's going to be in the E! News. This is just a little commercial, Uh, and we'll continue. But it's really important because when we win these things, the world takes notice. I can't tell you, you know, uh, how many times, like, when we won awards and things like that, people want to know more about Red Eye. And when they learn more about Red Eye, they learn more about the unending love of Jesus. So please do that. And, you know, it's saying, you know what? We are going to move forward right now. You know what? Even with Red Eye in, in our, our expansion, uh, you know, we're, we're doing this uh, Red Eye here in front of our building. We're investing in ourselves because we want to recreate this part of Tallahassee. We want to re envision it. We want to make our church campus a destination spot, just like it is in Midtown. So people will come and spend hours on our campus and give us the opportunity to build relationships. That's all we're doing. To to impacting our city. We're going to try to do the same thing we're we're trying to open up in, uh, a red eye up on, on Bannerman and Bannerman crossings, right where the, the roundabout is. Woo! Woo. <laughs> All us Northeastern people, you know, uh, that, that, you know what? It's a beautiful thing. You know what? Red Eye Midtown, one of our goals is to, uh, to, to give out $10,000 a quarter to local and global uh, missions. That's $40,000 a year. We've been doing it for six years. We haven't hit that goal every time, but that's been a tremendous amount of money that has been going out. But not only the money, but we've been able to uh, impact our community and make a third space and really change. Because of Red Eye and because the excellent job that, that FSU has invited me several times to come and speak and share about Red Eye. Each time I get invited, I said I cannot tell the story of Red Eye without telling the story of Jesus. And each time they said, well, come. And, and they said, if that's part of the story, then come. And I, I, I got to be honest with you that I have stand, stood in front of, of classes people from all different walks of life, and I'm talking about the tangible hand of Christ, and I'm pinching myself. I'm literally going like this, going like, God, is this real? Is this, who does this? Like, only God can envision where some Yahoo pastor from Los Angeles comes and somehow stumbles, you know, drunk and blind into a, into, into a coffee shop and then gets invited into a secular school to share to the gospel. That is how great our God is. And you know what? None of that would happen if we would have allowed ourselves to give in to the pain or the, the fear. Because the fear is real. The fear is constant. But I believe that there is nothing that can stand before the church if we put our, if we collectively come together and we rely on one another and we lean into our brokenness and we are, are honest about our weaknesses and allow Christ to be strong in that. And one of my favorite verses, Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. Whenever you feel fear, remember this verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. When we feel fear, that's not from God. When we feel timid, that is not from God. When somebody is saying, you know what, This can't happen, and when it fails, I'm going to make sure that you are run out of ministry. That's not from God, because God says, you know what, I am looking for someone who will look up and say, use me, God. I want to disrupt the status quo. I want to have you use me to attack the gates of hell because we know that God has promised That the gates of hell will not stand before God's love. And then finally, doubt. Plenty of doubt. Pastor doubts, pastor doubts. You doubt too. We all doubt. It kind of reminds me, about the definition of courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's acting despite your fear. That is courage. Doubt, you know what, everybody has doubt. But if we allow doubt to stop, God from using us or don't not allow God to use us because of our doubt. That is when doubt becomes sin. When Jesus had been crucified and the, the disciples were terrified, Jesus shows up to them and says, Why are you frightened, he asks, Why are your hearts filled with doubt? I don't know, Jesus, because we saw you nailed to the cross and put into a tomb. Maybe? He says, Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed him his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder then he asked them and this is the this is one of the most important questions i think in scripture do you have anything here to eat this is so awesome because look they're doubting their world is upside down The man that they have been following for three years had been crucified and put into the grave. Game over. They don't know what's going on. They're doubting that he is who he says he is. He comes in. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? He's like, yeah, yeah, here, you can touch my my hands. You can touch my feet. And they're sitting there in disbelief. And you would think he'd be pissed, right? Like you think Jesus would be like, I told you guys. Three years I told you I'm the Messiah, that this was going to happen. It was going to be good. And you're sitting up here like a bunch of cowards, huddled in a room, you know, and whatever. Playing Bible trivia or something, right? You think he's upset, but he's like, not upset. He comes up, he's like, sup? And he's like, touch this and everything. And um, okay, I'm glad that's done. I'm a little hungry. You guys got anything to eat? Not, you know, you're a bunch of rotten, lazy servants. No, let's eat. Resurrection's hard work. Burns a lot of calories. You got something to eat. I just love that. It's just, it just is so Jesus to me. It's like, yeah, you totally screwed up. I knew you were going to screw it up. That's all right. We're still friends. Let's have a meal together. In Revelation, we're reminded of this. Behold, I sit, sit, stand at the door, and knock, maybe sit. If you open the door, come in and we'll share a meal as friends. I know your brokenness. I still want to come in and share a meal as friends. I know your weaknesses. I still want to come in and share a meal as friends. I know your pain. And I still want to come in and share a meal as friends. I know your fear, but I still want to come in and share a meal as friends, and I know your doubt, and I still want to come in and share a meal with you. We all have these five things. These are common. These are normal. That is why we serve an extraordinary God. We have ordinary characteristics, but an extraordinary God. We have normal problems, but we have an extra extraordinary God. And we need to be able to pray the prayer. God use me because when we pray that prayer, the status quo is disrupted. Will you guys pray with me?